morning, good morning. Welcome to Manifest Church live stream. We're glad you are joining us today. Uh, maybe you're joining us a little bit later on the day or sometime this week. We're glad that you're with us. We're glad that God has brought you to this channel uh, and to this podcast. If you're listening or if you're watching on YouTube, we welcome you for watching on our Facebook group or our Facebook live. Thank you for joining us. We pray that God's word will revive your heart, will minister to you today. And uh, we are looking forward to getting back in uh, the Word of God. As we talked about last week, we're in a new year, 2023. Uh, obviously, it's a year that uh, for us is unknown. We don't know what's going to happen, but we serve a God who knows. And we serve the God who holds the future in His hand. He knows and He's given us His Word to tell us what is going to unfold as the days uh uh, begin to uh, happen in this world. And we know that uh, what he says will come to pass. And so we have hope and we have peace in our hearts, no matter the storms and no matter the troubles that we're going to face in this life. And maybe in this year, the things that we may go through, uh, some of us will go through challenges. Some of us will go through some uh, prophecy being fulfilled in our time. And and so let's just race in what God is doing and know that he is with us. You know, this this morning as we were worshiping, uh, just really what ministered to my heart, that God is with us and that he would never leave us nor forsake us. That was his promise. That's what Jesus said. I will be with you to the very end of the age. Jesus is with us. He's walking with us. He is talking with us through his spirit, the Holy Spirit in our lives, ministering to us and helping us along the way to be what? More like him. The Holy Spirit's role in our lives is to help us along the way, along this journey and empower us for the work that God has for us to do. And uh, speaking of, of that, uh, we're going to uh, begin uh, by prayer and then we're going to jump right in today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you uh, for waking us up this morning, for, for uh, starting us on our way. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank you for not leaving us as orphans, but you gave us your spirit to help us in our time of weakness. You gave us the Holy Spirit to, to have communion with so that we may know you better, that we may have a fellowship and a relationship with you that's intimate, Lord. To know you, uh, is this is the key of eternal life, knowing you, the only true God and his son, Jesus Christ. And how can we know you but by your spirit, Lord? We thank you for that. We have received the spirit of adoption as sons. We are no longer uh, uh, out there, but you have brought us close through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and his sacrifice and resurrection. And so we rejoice in that today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to every person who is in this room with me today and who are watching and who will be listening later. God, may your Holy Spirit move upon their hearts as the word of God is being proclaimed. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you have in store for us. Lord, as I, I remind you, I remind myself every day, Lord, that I am not competent within myself to preach your message. Lord, you, your grace makes me competent. Your spirit allows me and gives me the strength to do so. And I ask you, Lord, to speak through me. Lord, use me. I, I'm in your hand. I'm available to you today. Have your way in me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to continue. Uh, we we kind of took a break. Uh, we had a, a, a Christmas break. We had some things, uh, a lot of things going on and and a little transition. If you notice, maybe you've been watching us uh, for the past couple months. We were in a building 
uh, it was a blessing to have. And I'm so thankful still for that opportunity we had to be able to meet in someone's church. Uh, But that door is closed and that's okay. God closes one and opens another. We have a home here where we can meet and hopefully uh, we can see that grow from here and then we can have a place of our own down the road. But God is the one who uh, will put all all those puzzles into place for us. And we just want to continue to walk by faith and trusting him and uh, just want to encourage you, continue to pray for us and pray for me, for God to give me wisdom and to show me and to give me direction and order my steps. The Bible says God orders. Man makes plans in their hearts, but God orders our steps. And so pray for one another and pray for me as I continue to walk. So we're going to continue in the account of Gideon. We uh, we left off uh, last year um, in, in November, really, we stopped. Um, we were in part four, and in that part, I just want to again bring you up to speed here. We we dealt with um, how God um, removes from us in Judges chapter seven. We started there, and we've been looking at the account of Gideon, and we have been looking at um, this account because I, I as I mentioned before, it, it has a lot of meaning for us today. I believe that we are living in days much like Gideon's. Uh, where Israel was doing evil in the eyes of the Lord by worshiping the gods of the Amorites or the gods of the nations that God had uh, driven out. And so they began to worship these gods. And as a result, the Bible says that they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And when we begin uh, to see um, the people of God, and for us today as Christians in America, we are living much in those times. In our nation, uh, Christians have been asleep for most Uh, And I would say, when I say, I'm not saying all, I believe there is a remnant. I believe there are Christians that are awake, that are living for the glory of Christ, who are walking in step with the Holy Spirit and doing what God has called them to do. But that is not a larger, that's not all of Christendom. I believe there are Christians right now that are asleep, that are living uh, in the flesh. And that is the reason our nation is where they are. We have people in government. We have people in local government and places that name the name of Christ, but their life and their the way they live say otherwise. They declare a Christ with their mouth, or maybe they come on a Sunday or on a Wednesday to a church service or some kind of small group, but yet how they live and what that means on the way, on, the, on their day-to-day life has no uh, relevance. And that is the state of many of the church in America. America was a country full of Christians full of Christian influence, full of Christianity, full of Christianity. Not only we, we know the foundings, I mean, even though they're trying to erase history, I know they use racism and all these things as a result of that. But truly, you, you got to understand the state, uh, any, any government that wants to become all-powerful, uh, all-omniscient, right, uh, is, it is trying to replace God. And, and that's truly what they're after. It's not really about uh, that, even though they use that to gain power and to, and to manipulate people. But the truth of the matter is that this ideology that's out in this world and, and is, is infiltrated within our country, the goal is to remove any reference to God, to erase the future and rewrite a new one, because they are now in power. And the Bible um, it's clear that men have evil hearts. We all, the Bible says that no one is good. No, not one. 
I know that in, 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 in schools and, and, and maybe you go to a school, maybe you have heard a philosophy of thinking that, you know, all men are just are good naturally. They just sometimes they're just in a bad situation. They live in a bad upbringing or whatever. No, 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 friend. Let me tell you something. Can upbringing help? Absolutely. But all of you know that you don't have to teach a child to be selfish with their things. <laughs> when kids get together and play or they have a game or they have something, oh, that's mine. I, I, was, I was reminded of that simple situation. I was uh, with some friends gathered and, and I can see a, a little kid and, and just, just immaturity uh, because they're children. And, and one of the adults were playing with one of the, uh, with one of the games and the child was like, give me, that's mine. And, and so you, you don't have to teach a child that. That is inherently in, in humanity because of the fall. Men inherently are wicked in their hearts. And that's why we need a savior. Well, you say, well, how are we wicked? What do you mean, pastor? What are you talking about? How can a, a person be wicked? Well, the Bible says that, uh, that um, during the fall, sin entered the world. When man sinned in the garden, uh, Adam and Eve, they sinned. They disobeyed God's direct command not to eat of the knowledge of good and evil. When they ate, sin entered the world. And as a result, humanity is now understood, not only from the sins of Adam and Eve, but because we also choose to sin. So we can find this in Romans, I believe, chapter 6 and on. You see, or chapter 5 and 6, you can find the Apostle Paul really digging in. So if you want to get a little bit more, I don't have time for that, but if you want to get a little more how uh, the sinful nature is, you can go and look in those chapters all the way to chapter 8. You're going to find a, an awesome um, description of why we need a Savior. And why we can't trust our own flesh and why we can't uh, hope, uh, trust in our own goodness. Uh, let me tell you, we do have we are made in the image of God as, as creation. We are image bearers, but our image has been marred by sin. The image of God in our lives has been marred because of sin. Yet there are glimpses at times where men can do some good, where men do some good things. But ultimately, Without Christ, they will revert back to wickedness. And this is why we need the Lord. This is why he sent his son. And, and we can see in America, uh, this is happening. You know, over the years, the leaven has worked itself through. Uh, it's worked its way through, and we can't seem to turn it around. We, we, our, our federal laws and, and state laws reflect that reality. We can see that this leaven of of rejecting God, rejecting the creator of heaven and earth, rejecting God's principles, God's law, God's way. All of that is creeped in within our government here in America. I'm not talking about anywhere else because I don't live anywhere else. I'm talking about right here in the USA, the land that I love right here. We see this happening and this reality is being shown within our federal laws. We see even our our leaders, our, our, our president has, has declared uh, certain things that are completely against God's word and is rejoicing over it. Matter of fact, he lit up the, the, uh, the White House. He said uh, LGBTQ is back at the White House. These are things clearly, clearly, if anybody reads the word of God without their presuppositions and really looks at what the word says, we know that sexual morality is evil in the eyes of the Lord and God doesn't want that in our lives. And that's not just on that LGBT. What about those who 
who commit adultery. That is wrong before God, too. God does not want us living sexual moral lives. Why? Because he said so. Not because Pastor Danny says so. Not because Pastor so-and-so say, say so or ministry so-so say so. Because God's word says it. And this is what happens. And as a result, because we've been asleep as a church, because we have been indulging in uh, the ease and the comforts of sin in our lives, we have fallen asleep at the wheel. And as a result, we have allowed the darkness to enter all these areas. And as a result, we find uh, recently, we can see our Congress recently passed the Respect for Marriage Act, which is really the Disrespect for Marriage Act. Why? This federal law codifies into law the protection of same-sex marriage. Now, through federal law, they are protected. Remember, um, abortion was protected through federal law, but recently uh, the Supreme Court struck down Roe versus Wade and it is no longer codified in federal law. Now it is up to the states uh, to begin to make those decisions and the state decide. And unfortunately, in our state of South Carolina, uh, that we tout that we're a red state and that we tout that we're in the Bible Belt, abortion is still on demand right here in this state. We have governor, we have a governor, we have a uh, representative body who claim to be pro-life, and yet we still have abortion in this state, and they are in the majority. The, the uh, constituents of South Carolina do not want abortion, but yet we still have it. Our Supreme Court recently just killed a bill uh, who basically said it was unconstitutional due to privacy rights to not have abortion on demand, uh, w which was against the heartbeat bill. So we have these things going on, friend. If you're opening your eyes, if you're awake and you're not asleep, you can see within our state laws, within our federal laws, we can see darkness all in it. And we see people who have no backbone. We have people in those places of office who will not stand we have some that will, they're small, but they stand and they declare and they say, but ultimately there are people who declare to be born again, who declare Jesus Christ as their Lord, and yet they are putting these things into place. We have pastors who, who will stand up and one that recently won in, in uh, Georgia, again, I want to deal with where we live, the Bible Belt, right? Georgia has stamped of approval a senator that believes in abortion, believes in that, believes in uh LGBT rights and all of those things. This is what they wanted in Georgia. They voted for a man who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ, yet denies the word of God, who actually the saddest thing apart about this person is that this man is preaching from the pulpit that used to be Martin Luther King's. Unbelievable, right? No, it's not unbelievable. These are things that God said and his word will pass. And if as Christians, you're waking up and you're seeing these things coming to pass, it's time for us to realize what was going on in Gideon's time is also happening right here. We're seeing, uh, we're seeing that the, we have turned away from the living God to worship gods, uh, the gods that are here, little G's. We're worshiping those things. You need to understand that that Respect for Marriage Act did three things. It caused three things. And I really believe, too, that uh, God allowed this to take place to, to really begin. As we have been seeing, we saw COVID uh, had really made some um, distinctions between true ministries and those which are not true. We, can, we have seen that uh, how uh, the church that is of the state began to do what the state told the church to do rather than what the king of kings told them what to do. And uh, we see this taking place. 
within the time. We see the church, um, uh, we see this happening. And, and there are three consequences with this Respect for Marriage Act. The first thing, it will require the, uh, it, requ it will require the federal government to re recognize any state's definition of marriage, such as polygamous marriages without any limitations. It would empower activist groups to sue religious individuals and organi organizations that believe that marriage is only between one man and one woman. Do you understand what is going to happen now? And I really believe God allowed this in our, in our country uh, in order to, to sift out the wheat, to really uh, the wheat from the chaff, to see who is who. Uh, because there are going to be ministries right now who are muzzled that will not speak these things because they're afraid to get off of YouTube. They're afraid to be kicked off of Facebook. They're afraid of whatever. They're afraid to lose people. But they will not declare the truth of God's word out of fear of man. The Bible is clear that the fear of man is a snare and a trap. But those who trust in the Lord will be kept safe. Will be kept safe. In your life, if you are fearful, Man, don't be afraid. Repent of that fear and put your trust in the Lord and declare His word fearlessly as you should. I speak that to pastors and leaders that are out there who are, who are conforming to the world, who are conforming to the state. The state is telling you, you need to push uh, certain things on the people, medications. You need to push this out there. You need to be a part of it or else you're not loving your neighbor. Uh, you need to be a part of, of, of pushing this narrative of the LGBTQ agenda. You need to be pushing this or else you're not loving. You're not the right church. You're not the right place. And, and again, you're denying the very God and the very word of God. You're denying him by allowing yourself to, to come into this. Uh, we we have seen churches when I'm bringing all this up because it's important for you to understand that just as in the times of Gideon, evil was happening. See, history repeats itself. One guy puts it, history doesn't just repeat, it rhymes. And, and you see, we, we see these things happening. Uh, we see uh, uh, we have churches who affirm sexual morality in our nation from pastors who perform same-sex marriages and pastors who, in front of their congregation, affirm transgender behavior. We find this happening today in America. This is happening. We have churches who opened up their churches to have um, a, a transgender uh, reveal or some kind of transgender party or, or some kind of uh, little get-together. We have libraries in our country that are, are, are saying, hey, we won't have a children's book about God and be read to children, but we'll have a, a man who thinks he's a woman read to children or a woman who thinks she's a man read to children. It's completely been turned upside down. We see this happening. Look, the, the, the reason I'm saying is not because we hate the sinner. We hate the sin. We're not uh, the sinner can be saved. God, uh, the Bible is clear. God does not desire that anyone perish, but all come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants to save you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to break you, uh, uh, break the power of sin over your life, just as he did in my life. God was faithful when I was lost and I was sexual moral. I was out there and God saved me and delivered me and brought me into his kingdom and made me a son and put a ring on my finger, a robe over my over my my my, my back. And I'm serving the King of Kings, not because I'm anything special or better than you, but because God is good and his grace is amazing. And he wants to do the same for you. But the issue is, will you repent? Will you humble yourself before the living God? 
See, God is at work. He's working in our lives. Are we listening? Uh, do you, today, uh, due to this transgender push, we are, uh, we're seeing only, do you know that only in three states right now, there are laws that prohibit child reassignment surgeries or issuance of medication intended to delay a minor's puberty or after their, or alter their appearance. There, there's only three states in this union of the United States of America, only three states have laws against this. I do, I, there is good news. There are states that are, have put some bills in place to protect children, minors from, from these uh, 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 child reassignment surgeries and uh, puberty blockers and these kinds of things that alter these kids uh, for, for life and scar them. There are states that are trying to do it, but, I, but it hasn't passed yet, which, it, which I find this should not be a Republican or a Democrat issue. This should be a, a humanity issue. This should be an issue that we can all agree that we need to protect our children from these kinds of abuses. But yet we don't. We have, we have people that are getting money from this. We have organizations that are pumping in millions and millions of dollars to promote this, uh, this kind of abuse on children. But it's left to, to parents to decide, to say, hey, it's time that we stand up and say, no, leave our kids alone. So like Gideon, we face, we face these things. We see these realities. As we was going on in our nation, uh, really these sins that we mentioned or we're talking about and the other things that are going on in our nation, it's really the sin that comes from worship of self. It really comes from us worshiping self. You, <laughs> you, do, uh, you, you, define what, uh, you define what is reality, not God. You get to decide. See, the worship of self says, I decide what is reality? When, when instead, the Christian knows that God is the creator of heaven and earth, and he instituted laws. He put in seasons. He puts in uh, seed time and harvest time. He made every person after their own kind. He biologically made you to be male or female. God has put you where you need to be. I want to remind you of Acts chapter 17, something very profound that the Apostle Paul was speaking to atheists and those who were worshipers of other gods who did not know the God of, uh, of the Jews, uh, who did not know Jehovah, who did not know Yahweh. They had no idea who this God was. And he begins to, to tell them about this unknown God they have not met. And he stands in the midst of the Areopagus, men of Athens. This is Acts chapter 17, verse 22 and on. Acts chapter 17, verse 22 and on. Look what he writes. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For I pass along and observe the objects of your worship. I found also an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Glory to God. Verse 25, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him 
and find him, yet he is actually not far from each of us. Praise God that God is not far from you. You might say, well, God is way away. Well, he's not far from you. If you just hear, if you just listen. For in him we live and move and have our being as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God off, offspring, we ought not to think that the divine is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Verse 30, the times of ignorance, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man who he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. You see, God has put every man where they need to be. And his goal is that man will begin to search for him to seek him out. You see, we were made to worship. The problem is many are worshiping false gods. And as a result, we see the sin and the evil that we are seeing in our world. So let's move on. I want to go to Judges chapter 7. Let's read there in verses 9 through 25. I'm going to do my best. I started that opening. just That was my introduction. But we're going to try to get this thing done. Gideon chapter 7 verse 9. It says, That same night the Lord said to him, Arise, go and against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance, and their camels were without number as a sea that is on the seashore is abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, Behold, I, I dreamed a dream. And behold, a cake of barley bread tumbling into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, This is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash a man of Israel, God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into their hands of, uh, of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I, bow, when I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and, and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. When the, when the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars, they held in their left hands the torches and in their right hand the trumpets to blow. 
And they cried out, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all, all the army ran. They cried and, and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his com comrade and against all their army. And the army fled as far as Bethshetah towards Zerah, as far as the border of Abil Mohala by Tabath. And the men of Israel were called out from Nephtali and from Asher and from the Manasseh, and they pursued after Midian. Gideon sent messengers throughout all the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and capture the waters against them as far as Bethbarah and also the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they captured the waters far as Bethbarah and also the Jordan. And they captured the two princesses of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. Then they pursued Midian, and they, and they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon across the Jordan. Wow, what a powerful moment here. Uh, God is revealing some things. And the first point I want to make, and, and it's really the title of this part five of the account of Gideon, God is working. God is working. You see, Gideon, uh, Gideon's armies were, was reduced to, from 32,000 soldiers to 300. <laughs> if you remember uh, in, in, uh, in the first couple verses of, of chapter 7, you'll see that God said, you know what, this is too many. Too many of you. You got too many? You got too many. I don't need that many to save you. And the, the reason God did that is because He didn't want these men to think that it was by their own hand that, that Israel was saved by their own hand. God wanted to make sure that Israel and the nations knew that it was God who was going to bring the victory, that it was God who was going to bring deliverance. You need to understand in your life, God is always working. Even though you don't see it, even though you can't feel what is going on around you, just know that God is always working. God is always doing a work in your life, in and through you, and God is doing a work in other people's lives. Trust me on that. God's word is true. God is doing a work. See, uh, that night God told Gideon to get up and take your men and attack the Midianites because he had given them into their hands. But God, knowing Gideon's heart, he was afraid, and, and he said, you know what? If you're afraid, I want you to go down to the, to, to, the, to the camp where they are. I want you to go down there. I want you to hear what those men are saying. So Gideon goes down there with his, with his servant, Pura, and they go. They go down there, and, they, and they're listening. And, and, and as, as you saw, there, they, they were beginning to, to, to fear. They had a dream. A dream was revealed, and, and uh, God was working in the hearts and, uh, of these, of these uh, soldiers for Midian and putting fear in their hearts. Uh, through a dream of Gideon. They were putting fear in their hearts because they saw something tumbling down to bring about uh, <laughs> fear in their lives. We saw this. And we read this just recently right now. God has been working in the hearts of these people and God is bringing about a, a, a spirit of confusion over, their, over Gideon's adversaries and He can do the same today. Do you know that even though our adversaries uh, have a lot of power and a lot of influence, a lot of money. Uh, they're in a lot of places and in a lot of parts in government and all those things. You know that God 
in his working can still bring a spirit of confusion against them and we can overcome. He can do that. If God wants to do that, he can. If we would but humble ourselves, the Bible says, if my people who are called by my name, not the lost man, I'm talking about God's people. That's what he meant. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. God is looking to you and to me. What are we doing? What are we doing? Because he's working. What are we doing? Don't think uh, that uh, every uh, don't ever think that God isn't working his plan out in your life. Don't ever think that. Don't ever think that God isn't working what he wants to accomplish in your life. The Bible says he is faithful. The Bible tells us that he will he will finish the work he started in you until he returns. That day is coming that when he is finished, you will be what he he says you will end up being. Trust him. He will give us the victory. We can trust in Him. God is only wanting for you to trust and obey Him. He wants you to trust and obey Him. He wants you to live a life that pleases Him, and He'll take care of the rest. Secondly, I want you to know that Gideon, so so you need to understand that God is always working, that God is working on our behalf, that God is doing a work in us and through us, that God is also doing a work in those around us. The Bible says that the one of, the things, one of the things that the Holy Spirit came to do is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Do you know that? That the Holy Spirit is convicting the heart of people. He is doing that now, even though we may not see it. Listen, I know that uh, some of our, 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 our enemies that we see that are, are pushing and, 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 and beginning to create all this wickedness in our land and, and pushing these things. Do you not know that the Holy Spirit is at work and and moving on people's hearts that know in their hearts they, their conscience is bearing witness that they're sinning against God. They may not know all the commandments, but they have a conscience that God has given them. And they know it's wrong to lie. They know it's wrong to steal. They know it's wrong to commit adultery. They know it's wrong uh, to do all, to murder, all these things. They know all these things are wrong. In their conscience, they know it's wrong. Because God put it there. God put it in their conscience. You see, you need to know that Gideon's response to God's working brought about worship. When Gideon realized what was taking place, when, when he realized, oh my goodness, my God is awesome. We haven't done anything. We're just 300 men. And these guys, these people that, that you couldn't even count, they're, they're out here freaking out because of a dream they had of, of some barley bread coming down and flattening the tents. They're freaked out. They're wanna, they want to just, uh, they're, 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 Gideon is coming with a sword. And I mean, they had this fear in them. Why? Because God was doing a work in order for his plan to be fulfilled. And you and I just have to trust him and know that God is working. And when we do, when we come into that realization uh, as he did in, in there in verse 15, as soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. He began to worship. That should be our response. When we experience God working on our behalf, we should bow down and begin to worship. We should have an attitude, a posture of worship. A worship is not just singing songs. I, man, I love singing worship songs. I love to sing to the Lord, make melody in my heart to Him and sing along with you together as a body of Christ. We sing unto the Lord, right? That's wonderful worship, but that's not all that worship is. Worship, I believe, is a, is a life 
that is um, is not just of singing a song, but it is also a life in awe and surrender to God. It's a life that you see God and in the greatness of who He is, and you just are in awe of who He is, and you can't help but surrender because you know how great and awesome He is. I wonder, are you worshiping the Lord today? Or are you worshiping something else? Is, is, has Jesus become your primary object of worship? Or has something taken its place? Taken his place, excuse me. You see, he worshiped God because that in that moment, Gideon realized how great God is, how holy, how awesome he is. He didn't realize how foolish he was to be afraid. And he realized of his own fallen state in the presence of a mighty God. He saw him and he was like, man, I'm undone. Look at God. Look how awesome he is. And he began to worship the living God. You know who had a, an awesome encounter with God in his presence that worshiped him in that manner? There were many people. I just want to give you one example. Isaiah, one of, one of my favorite um, uh, just few verses and passage of scripture because uh, it's truly a powerful moment that took place. I want you to go with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah experienced God and he exclaimed, woe is me. <laughs> I want you to see this. Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 5. Let's go there. We're wrapping this up here in just a minute. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 1 and 5. Look what it says here. But in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two He covered His face, and with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Man, what a powerful moment Isaiah has with God. He sees God in this, in his, in this moment. He sees a vision of who God is. And he declares himself to be unclean. His lips unclean. And not only him, but all his people. You see, God was, was at work. And that response led to something as a response. Uh, you can read later on in this, in this um, chapter, you see that encounter. See, God isn't just interested in having us uh, have this encounter with Him and, and oh, we just want to kind of pitch our tent here and just kind of and lounge here. You know how many people like to just, oh, we're just going to sing songs and worship and just be in a, in a nice little environment of worship and just kind of, uh, soak in the presence of God. Oh, that's wonderful. But you know what? God' ultimate uh, end game in our time of worship with Him is so that we would begin to walk in obedience to Him. 
that we would begin to bear fruit, that we would be fruitful. God wants you and me that from that moment, from that time of being in his presence, that we leave there just as our Savior did as the example for our life. Jesus would leave his time of prayer and he would do the will of his father. And what about you and me? Are we just soaking up in his presence and that's it? Are we becoming a swamp? You know, there's a lot of talk about the swamp, right? Are we as Christians becoming the swamp and there's no outlet? There's no rivers of living water flowing from our bellies? Or we just want to soak up in this little area and be in this little spot and just, oh, God, just me, 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 me. That's me, Christianity. That's not we worship you. That's not the Christianity that God's called us to. God wants you to, to be in his presence. You take from him, right? You don't, you know, he told there's a moment to work and there's a moment not to work. So I'm not against coming to worship God, but that worship ought to, lead, ought to have a response. There ought to be from that moment, that incubation time where I plug into the Lord and I'm in His presence, it ought to bring about a transformation. It ought to bring me from, from being there. It ought to cause me to be on mission. It ought to cause me to be walking and talking like Jesus. It ought to cause me to want to bring the gospel to those around me. It ought to cause me to want to continue to do good. Why? Because I know there's a reward for me, that those who do not give up, God will reward us because we are our labor is not in vain. We're doing the will of our Heavenly Father. Let's finish up here. Lastly, Gideon, he defeats the Midianites without a sword. Isn't that awesome? That, you know, sometimes we go, oh, I'm going to let me figure this out. I'm going to try to figure out how I'm going to how I'm going to help my child get out of their addiction or how I'm going to get my child to do this or how I'm going to get my child to turn from their wicked ways. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to say some things to them and I'm going to put this in perspective. I'm going to listen. I've been there. I do that and I've done it. And yet the Bible is clear here that God said, listen, you're not going to get the glory when it's all said and done. They're going to know that it was me. And with jars with a torch in it and a trumpet, they defeat this massive army. And you know what's awesome about this? He did it with 300 men with trumpets in their hands and empty jars and torches in their hands. It's not by power. It's not by might. Yes, I, I, I do have to do something. I do have to, uh, I have to put my faith into action. But the power comes from Him. The victory comes from the Lord. And if you and I put that perspective in our hearts, we'll realize that God is the one who gets the glory. God is the one who is to be awed. And God is the one who is to be worshipped. He's the one to be adored. He's the one to be saying and pointed to. He's the one to say, hey guys, look to the Christ. Look to the one who, who, who died on the cross for your sins, who rose again from the grave. Look to Him for eternal life. Man, God is able to do it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in your heart? Do you, is God speaking to you today? Is God ministering to your heart through His Spirit, His Word? Is it, is it causing you to think of where you are? Man, I hope so. I hope that you realize that God will give us the victory. You see, God used those things and brought a spirit of confusion, and those men turned on each other. And I want you to know that God can do the same right now in our generation. Our enemies can be turned against each other. You know, there, it's happening now. We see certain things. We see pockets of, oh man, this is darkness. And then we see in the other pocket where they're kind of in fighting because they're trying to get a seat at the table of, of this world 
uh, global agenda. They're trying to get a seat, so they'll, they'll, they'll turn on each other here or there. But I want you to know that God is allowing and doing these things and letting these things take place. Excuse me. God is allowing and, and using these things in order to bring about his plan. And he word is true. There is going to be a one world government. There's going to be one leader that rise up who is the Antichrist. God is going, God's already told us this was happening. God told us there was going to be one world currency. God told us there was going to be a one world government and would have one world leader. We know this from the word of God. We see that the prophets were declaring these things. We see what's going to happen in the end. In the book of Revelation, we have everything we need to know. And that's why we can be at peace. Even at, listen, you know, you wonder, well, when is this going to place? We don't know fully. We, we just see things taking place that are like, wow, these things. Um, wow. You, you can see the setting up of a lot of this stuff going on. It's exciting. It, it, it's discouraging sometimes when you see the evil and the things that are taking place and how people uh, can do such things. But just know this as believers, we can put our trust in our living God and know that he is with us. After all, his name is Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us and that you have never left us. Your word is true. Father, I pray for the person today that has heard this message right here. They may hear it later. They may be listening now, watching the live stream, or maybe will listen later or through the podcast or YouTube. Lord, my prayer for them today is if the Holy Spirit has pricked their heart, that today they won't harden their hearts, but they'll humble themselves and call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Friend, there is no other name by which we must be saved. There is no other name given to men but the name of Jesus Christ. He said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Today, if you hear his voice, would you, would you fall? Would you take a moment right there, bow your heart before God, bow your knee if you have to physically? It don't matter. But from your heart, genuinely say, Lord, I, I recognize I've sinned against you. And I want to receive the Lord Jesus. I confess him as my Lord. I confess you, Jesus, as Lord. And I ask you to save me. Wash away my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. And that one day you're coming back for me. And that right now you're preparing a place for me. Lord, I believe that. Would you cry out to him today? Would you say that? Would you... Right there where you are, maybe you're in your living room, maybe you're in your, your, uh, your office, maybe you're sitting in your car driving, maybe right there you could just pull over to the side and just confess this, that God, I need you. And he wants to save you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to bring life where there's death, light where there's darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the life of all men. Would you put your trust in him today? If you're a believer today, you've heard this message, you'd be like, Pastor, it was me. I've been asleep. I've been sleeping. I've been indulging in my flesh and its passions and desires. I've been giving into that. And today I want to repent. 
Oh, my brother, my sister, do you not know the Bible says that when we repent, the times of refreshing come from the Lord? And God can continue that work he started in you. Yield to his spirit. Come right there. Just take a moment right now and just say, Lord, I, I confess. And you know what it is. Say whatever it is. I confess what I've been worshiping isn't been you. I put my career in front of you, Lord. I put my relationships in front of you. I put all kinds of things in front of you, Lord. I put my, my hobbies, my things in front of you. Lord, I come and I just confess that to you and ask you, Lord, to fill my heart. Fill my mind with you, Lord. I surrender. I'm available, Lord. Use me. Revive my heart, Lord. Put your word in, on my lips. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We love you. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time.